0: Well, welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. have you been? God, it's been a freaking long year, right? It's been a long one. And it's been great to have you along for the ride. You know, if you haven't tuned into the show before, it's a once a week job. Talk the talk with people from all walks of life. And if you're used to that, if you've been here around, if you've been around here a while, I should say, Thanks for doing that, man. Thanks for sticking around. It's it's great to have you. And I, ge- I genuinely mean that. I do genuinely mean that. Uh, you know, extra mince pies for you. And uh, I-, I wonder what has been your best show. What's been your favourite episode of the Limehouse podcast this year? I personally don't have one because in, in a way they all become my favourites. There are a couple of guests that, that mean more to me, I suppose, uh, that we really connected with. That I really connected with, I. But but whatever, everybody's different. If if you want to tweet me, please do so, and we can chat. I'd like to know what episode touched you or interested you in some way. You can do that at Limehouse Pod at Limehouse Pod on Twitter, or I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can email the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com. And we can have some back and forth. What, what would be good is to genuinely try and reach a target of like maybe 10 listeners. Let's go freaking nuts here. 10 listeners to reach out and let me know what their favorite episode was. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to talk Peter Guinness because Peter's on the show. Peter happens to be a very, very cool guy. He's been kicking around for a while now. Those of you that will remember my conversation with Ralph Brown, there is a connection between those guys. They were both in Alien 3, one of the greatest movies. What overlooked, I tell you, overlooked, big time. Can't remember the name of the director, but but that it was his first film, and it was a heck of a film. Oh, my goodness gracious. And... We talk a bit about Alien 3, we talk about um, his, his life in general behind the camera, but it, it really took a long time to get going for him. Like, he wasn't just straight away, oh, and I'm now an actor. It took a long time for him to, to find that path. And that's what interests me, I think. That's what interests me in most people's lives, right? Because we're, we're taught very much to stay in one lane. And that pisses me off. Stay in your lane, don't jump out of your lane. Don't you, you're a banker now. Just just be a banker. You're you know you're a a, a freaking gardener. Don't you, that's it. Stay in your lane. Or you're a I don't know. You work down at Sainsbury's. What what the hell? Whatever. You have ambition in life. Don't let that fade. It's just you have. If there is something within you, a burning desire to do something has always been there. Do it. And that's what I like about Peter's conversation. Is is there is that element to it. And it's, it's a little bit important, isn't it? Because we die, and then there's nothing after that. And just before we die, we sort of go, well, I guess I did the most of the things I wanted with my life, uh, sort of. Mainly, not really, though. Mainly, I sort of ran away from the things I really wanted to, to achieve. And um, yikes, I think I filibustered most of my life. <laughs> anyway... Pass the Heineken, dear, and so on. But anyway, look, enough of my yakking. Peter, 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 Peter Guinness, Ashes to Ashes, Holby City, The Coronation Street, Alien 3, The Saints, Justice League, and many, many more films. Uh, Oh my God, like just, and and it's cool to just be able to speak to someone who's had so much life experience. And I think that's where we're kind of getting to now. I like speaking to slightly older, more mature guests because they do have such an interesting life and isn't that special, you know? Yeah, I think it is. But, um, yeah, another great film I watched them in recently was actually Official Secrets, which is actually a damn good film. It's about the um, WMD, you know. Do you remember that? Do you remember when, when we were lied to on a on biblical scale? Remember that about weapons of mass destruction? Oh yeah, remember that? God, well, it doesn't matter now because it was twenty years ago, and the world's just such a wonderful place now. Nothing bad ever happened there. But that—that was—that's a damn good film. You want to check that out? He's really good in that. But um, yeah, look, I'm—I'm I'm off. So as I said, here's the challenge. Here is the challenge. Okay. It's been very quiet on Twitter. Like I've never ever had much of a following on Twitter. I've never really—I I try and engage, but along a, a, a lot of the time, like I think you will find, it's—it's it's very. Uh, quiet. It's very vacuous. It's very um, lonely. If you go out there, you, you know, you put a comment, no one gets back to it. It's a bit weird. You wonder why you're doing it. But we're going to go for this. This is the big, the big challenge. Okay. What was your favourite episode of the Limehouse podcast this year? At me, mother trucker. At Limehouse podcast. At, sorry, I lied. At Limehouse pod. At Limehouse pod. Let's do this. Hit me up. Let's become friends at Limehouse Pod, okay? Let's end this year on a positive note. I want some love, damn it. Here's Peter Guinness, a true gentleman, a wonderful guy. Happy 2022. See you later 2021. And before I go, oh god, the Ashes. We've we've lost the Ashes. Haven't we? Let's be honest. TTFN. Let's just start Rocking around. The Christmas tree let the Christmas be Let's just start at the beginning because you've pretty much done it all and in such a deep way. Deep you've gone deep on TV. Deep in deep on movies. Deep, deep 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 on stage. But when did it when did it all start? for you, was it teeny tiny Peter that was inspired or was it
1: later in life? Um, Okay, let me rack my brains a little bit. (laughs) um, As a child, like many children do, I had fantasies about being an actor, but there there was was nothing, I'm not one of those people who can say, oh, I, I wanted to be an actor from, you know, the age of seven, I didn't. My best subject at school was art. That's what I was good at. And um, I went through my whole of my school life, both um, primary, I suppose, but also my secondary school, assuming that I was going to have a career as an artist, because it was my Mm -hmm. best subject. That's what I got top marks. in. I wasn't interested particularly in drama. What I was interested in Um, was when um, we did, when the school did a school play, I was in the art room making the scenery. Uh, And the costumes, I think, that was my job. And I loved that. And I was always, so I was backstage. And then, uh, I seem to remember what happened was, the school was going to do a production of Time and of Athens. And at the last minute, it was a boys' school. I was at an all boys' school. At the last minute, um, the actor, the boy playing one of the prostitutes in Time of Athens, dropped out. <laughs> and yours truly had to step in. And I, okay. I've i got a vague memory of a, a terrible wig that I'd actually made for this guy, to, <laughs> this boy to wear. So it was now me, and I... I I, I don't really remember the experience very much other than um it was a bit traumatic um okay. but okay after that after that um i was then asked to do another school play
0: uh, which is the second that 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 has to be a first time your first like the, you know i mean not like, for everyone but the first Your first thing was to be a gigolo. That's pretty cool. You know, that's out there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, And suddenly I found myself being asked to do another school play. Um, And I thought, "This this is quite fun, really. But again, art was still my main subject. And it came as a shock to me when i was in the sixth floor and thinking about which art school i might like to attend when i left school and my art teacher who i adored stan simmons his name was stanley simmons and he was an artist in his own right Um, i can remember talking to him and saying that should i apply for the slade or should i go for St. Martin's or Central, and Stan took the carpet out from under me by saying, Actually, Peter, I think you'll be a better actor than you would be an artist. Yeah. And that was an absolute shock to me. I did never, you know, this was, I mean, on the one hand, I was completely deflated because it made it seem like, you know, all those years of thinking that I was quite good at art, I clearly wasn't that good. Um, and he, the, the truth, he was right, of course, because yeah. I've realised in retrospect that although I have a facility, I, I, I'm good with a pencil, I can draw, I can, you know, I can uh, make a Christmas card. But actually, I, I've never had that sort of very special... Um, vision maybe if if that's the right word that artists originality.
0: it's originality in art isn't it
1: that's right and i suppose i could have had a career in um i don't know commercial art designing lp covers or book covers or something like that but as a pure artist i i I would never have cut it and of course that's what i wanted or that's what i thought i wanted to be so wayne I think you should apply or think, of, apply for drama school or think about a career in the theatre. Yeah. Now, I can remember going home to my parents and saying, um, uh, this is what Stan had said, and my parents were horrified, you know, because they <laughs> rather thought I, I was going to, you know, go to, to art school as well. Um, anyway, I didn't apply for art school. Um, to cut a long story short, uh, I decided that what I would do is I would follow the old adage, those that can't do, teach. So instead I went to teacher training college and got um, my um, diploma to teach, to teach art. So that okay. as my father said, I would have something behind me if I then wanted Classic. to try and pursue my career. That.
0: that's a, such a such a classic line but what 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 interests me there is the fact that you um you were holding on to the the, the art line still to such a degree that even though obviously it's what what you went on to do is you know uh a, a little slightly different but still in the same theater i think it's just it's just interesting that you were so passionate about it and you were still willing to To go down the line of those that can't do teach you know that's that's quite interesting to me
1: yeah yeah i get i yeah i hadn't actually thought of it like that but it's true um so i i ended up again to cut a a, a long rambling story a bit shorter i ended up teaching for nearly three years art in a huge south london comprehensive And, um, well, it it wasn't London, actually. It was in Erith, in Kent, just on the sort of borders of, um, Kent and London. Um, it was called Piketty School for Boys. Okay. And there was an inspiration art teacher there. He was inspiration, lovely man, killed himself on a motorbike named Mike Foxley who had hair down to here and a big droopy moustache and a pipe. But he was adored by the kids and I adored him as well. So I felt that I'd fallen on my feet to be working with this guy. Anyway, one day, a notice goes on the notice board from the headmaster saying, if there is any member of staff who will be interested in mounting a school play, please come to my office at four o'clock and we'll have a talk. So Mike said to me "Um, you should, uh, I think you should go along and uh, uh, have a go at that, see what the head says. So I did, thinking that I would be one of many members of SOF. Truth is, I was the only person who turned up so I got the job. So the next stage journey was I found myself having to think of a play, Uh, I never directed anything. I'd done a little bit of Amdran while I was at college. Um, I had to think of a play that involved as many of the kids as possible. And I came up with the idea, there was a wonderful play at the time by a man called Peter Terson. it was called Zigga and it was all about football. Rival sets of football fans. and And this school, this boys' school, of course, was mad about football, so I thought this would appeal, and I could involve lots of them because um, I had the idea, which I presumably pinched from somewhere, that if I if the set could be the football stands, I could get a hundred kids on stage, all chanting and with scars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I then had the bright idea of maybe if I approached. The sisters, our sister school, the girls' school. Maybe I could get some of the
0: girls involved. So um, drama, drama. But that's still quite a scary jump, isn't it? Even at twenty-five to be, but like you said, you know, your dad's probably in the background going, you know, get a job that you, you know, is going to keep you keep you safe and what have you. Um, and then, and then to go to drama school—that's a big. That's a pretty scary step for a twenty-five-year-old. I would have been scared. I think
1: it was. It, it it was. I mean I, I won't try and pretend that I'm a, a particularly brave person, but it was scary. And I half <coughs> excuse me, I half hoped that I wouldn't get in. <laughs> but <laughs> the very first school that I applied for, which was the Central School of Speech and Drama, they um wrote back and I, I went for the audition and they offered me a place and um, so did another couple of drama schools that I applied for, but I liked the sound of Central. And that's yeah. where I went. And do, do you and, think it's um, kind of
0: it, it's just that first step, the initial step? And even at 25, I know that um, the fear isn't completely so all-consuming. For example, I'm 40 now. If I were to sort of say, oh, I want to do this, this, and this. Oh, I just want to turn around and I want to do acting, what have you. I think my... I think people would genuinely think I was having a nervous breakdown. Like, there's no question about that. That would be the midlife crisis. Uh, is he? What's he doing? He's he's buying like a, a, a Ford Capri or something. Um, yeah. It, but you know, it's still but 25. You know, that's quite. And I think what were what would have been the fears back then? Do you think? Well,
1: I mean, my, my parents were terribly concerned about the idea that I was chucking up. A really good job, you know, um, I, I'd somehow managed to, even though I wasn't the head of department, I, I'd somehow, in, in those days, I don't know what it's like now in the teaching profession, but you had pay scales. And even in the few years, those two or three years that I was teaching, I'd managed to jump up the pay scale. So I was earning, you know, a reasonable yeah. salary. And suddenly here I was, saying, um, I'm gonna give it all up and go back to being a student again. And on top of all that, of course, it was highly unlikely that I would get another grant because um, I'd already had a grant to train as a teacher. Mm. How was I gonna support myself? So I said, you know, I'll work in bars, I'll do this. So for my yes. parents, they thought, oh God, he's lost his My My mum, I think, who always wanted me to be a doctor, actually. Um, I think for her, it was really...
0: I uh, think <laughs> she got that wish.
1: Sure, <laughs> matter, <traumatic. laughs> Dad, I think I discovered from him much later in life, I think he was secretly uh, quite excited about it, okay. but he didn't, he didn't let on that he was excited at the time. Right. So there we are. I ended up at drama school, which incident is where I first met Robbie.
0: Um, oh, yeah, because
1: yeah. We, we, we trained train together. Uh, we were both married to other people at the time. Um, wow. At Twenty-five. Yeah. My
0: good God, that is um, that's early. I just wanted to know if you've got uh, any siblings as well. Was there you, anybody else in this in the in the picture taking pressure off you because of your career change?
1: I have an older brother. Um, okay. Uh, Dave is six years older than I am, and he thought I was start raving on
0: yeah of course yeah he just he just joined in with the cheering
1: basically (laughs) he he, dave was a real hard grafter and he'd had a tough time at school and um, left school with very little qualification and took himself off and got himself apprenticed in an electrical engineering firm and did evening classes and worked really hard and um, uh, so nothing nothing came easy whereas his younger brother you know who found himself you know <laughs> in a well-paid job within seconds of leaving his first college is now throwing it all up to become yeah. a student. You know. um, I
0: Is there a time when you kind of that was vindicated when when that whole process you went through and okay, Peter seems to be doing okay at this this acting shtick. This this whole thing is seems to be okay now.
1: Well, I suppose there was, but it's quite difficult to identify that moment because, of course, you know, for, for me anyway. You know the, the first years of being a, an actor were a struggle, God, an man. absolute struggle. Uh, even though in those days, unlike today, in those days, you know, there was a fringe theater on every street corner in London, there was loads of work out there, but most of it was unpaid. Um, yeah. and uh, also, there was a you couldn't in those days. You know, um, go straight into tele- a tele program. For a um, for instance, you a had equity, to, right? You had equity, and you had what's called a provisional equity card, which meant that you had to work for forty weeks in the professional theatre before you got your full card. And it was only when you got your full card that a casting director on the television would look at you. Now people fall out of drama schools. Or don't even go to drama schools and they find themselves you know big movie stars but that wasn't the way it was in in my time and Mm. it it was a struggle it was a struggle and um i had some successes some failures uh on on the stage you know i never knew where the the next job was coming from and basically it's always been like that He'd certainly like it now and nice, every yeah. time I've completed job, um uh, the, the fear is well will I ever be asked to do another one
0: I'd love to know if you can still remember the um the up the highs and the lows of of of, of younger sort of sort of maybe I don't know when you were 25 27 what have you um when Obviously, you get a you get a, a job, and it's like, well, that's brilliant. I mean, that's it. And then that A is going to lead to B, and C is going to lead to D, and everything's going to be fine. Um, but then, obviously, reality comes in,
1: and you go, well, can, oh, "Shit." I, well, I, I I can answer that one because there was a moment in my life where uh, uh, that I found very tough to deal with, but it was a great lesson to learn. I landed the part of Aston in Harold Pinter's *The Caretaker* at Greenwich Theatre with the great, fabulous Max Wall playing the caretaker. Right, Uh, an actor called that you may know, wonderful, handsome guy Anthony Higgins playing Mick. Anthony, yeah, yeah, I know Anthony Higgins. Yeah, and I was playing Aston, and. Uh, I thought I've arrived. This is it. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be the the launch pad. And um, uh, off we went. And of course, people flocked to see it because they wanted to see what Max Wall was going to do with this part. Um, uh, And he he was absolutely the funniest, the funniest, one of the funniest men. I've ever, ever come across in my life. We had a great time. The reviews came out. Um, I, he and I um, were in punch. They, all, they do cartoons of, um, in the theatre review. So I got a caricature of me drawn by Ronald Stern or whoever it was. Um, yeah. As Aston with Wall. And then I read the review. And it talked about the horrendously undercast Peter Guinness. Ah, okay. The horrendously undercast Peter Guinness. And I've never forgotten. No. I thought, I thought, my my career has started now. It's over, am I I that bad? The horrendously undercast. God. And um, it was, you know, that well, the first thing it taught me was don't ever read reviews. <laughs>
0: yeah, too damn. Um, right.
1: yeah. But, but the second thing it taught me was um, don't take anything for granted, you know, um, because there's always going to be something or somebody um, waiting to, you know, chip away at your um euphoria or, or whatever so build a wall of steel uh, build a wall of steel around yourself and keep your feet firmly on the ground um, yeah and I, I think that taught me something that has stood me in fairly good stead because i've had I, i've had some lovely things written uh, over the years but um, i've had some pretty well not horrible things but unflattering things as well
0: um but there are some people surely like yourself that can make not surely but maybe can move past it and go doesn't really matter anymore what anybody says because you know i'm 70 i'm 71 now i've done a i've got a pretty fantastic body of work and i can now not luxuriate but certainly take some a luxury in in the time and, and, and just go hey look I can look back on my work and be proud of myself and it doesn't fucking matter what those people said
1: um, I'd, I'd like to say you're right and I think for a lot of people you are I'm afraid it's not the case with me I still mm, okay, that's interesting um, you know even as we speak I'm not going to tell you any of the details um, we're in an age now where we do this thing as I'm sure you know called self-taping um, yes. because of COVID and all the rest of it, uh, yeah. we have to, we, we get a, a, an invite to um, self-tape ourselves doing a scene of something or other. I find it excruciating. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have recently uh, had to phone up my agent and say, you know, it was just, have you sent that tape yet? That self-tape, because it, 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 it was terrible. Can I have another go? and um it's sort of it, go, it for, for me it continues to be do you know what can, <laughs> do,
0: but do you if it's, it's got if it gets to that level don't you think it's like you get someone in that and this sounds crazy um and for, forgive me because you have probably already thought about certain different ways of trying to get over it but like a complete neutral that who a professional obviously that can go reprogram this whole thing in your mind because it is new, it is weird and it's not organic, it's so alien and and strange. Even me doing this, I two years ago I was doing this stuff in person. I was going to either Westminster or what have you or somebody's house to do these interviews and now I'm having to do it via Zoom, which is fine. But it's still strange because you you, you know you don't you till you really can look in someone's eyes it's someone's eyes it's not basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, is there anyone that could come along and go, hey man, have you thought about doing this for your tape and that kind of thing? And I don't know. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. And Equity just recently have have started to try and protect us a little bit more because the self-taping thing was uh, running away with itself. And Mm. it would be nothing for somebody, you to receive six pages of something and, and expect, be expected to have it learnt and done within, you know, 24 hours. And oh um, people trying to oh. turn their their flats into, um, you know, a studio with decent lighting. Right. And um, so it, I've already admitted, you know, I am technically challenged. So the, the yeah. thing would become about all that as much as it would do about, you know, playing the part. It's not a level playing field, is it? It's not a level playing field, and and Equity have been very good. They have have begun to say, no, you cannot ask actors to do that amount of work unless you give them the time to do it, and um, unless you sort of... I mean, there were times when they wouldn't even accept, the companies wouldn't accept a a self-tape... if it wasn't against a, a plain wall, you know, so people had to take pictures down and move furniture and. Right. Anyway, it, I mean, things are improving again, but this is all to answer your question, which. Is, no, no, no. It's yeah, a valid one. It's very easy work. Work. just as stressful as it always right. was. But it's very so,
0: interesting though. It's very interesting, and what what I do want to touch on before um, time gets away from me us um, is one of the reasons why I'm I'm speaking to you is because um, there's a couple of reasons. One one would be whether you not had a relationship with Peter Pete Pothelswaite at all, Pothelswaite at all, um, and and another one uh, because it's quite important to me, which I'll allude to in a sec. There's another one because I've started reading or the listening to the uh, Alien and Alien 3 uh, audiobooks and oh, right. they are they are sensational and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here okay I'm not I'm not going I'm not sitting here going just because I'm chatting it's so good it is absolutely captivating
1: well the, the, it came out of the blue I have not done um audiobooks I've done a lot of um, uh, narrations for documentaries and things. Yeah. But I'd never done, um, uh, you know, a, 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 an audio book like this. Um, and it came out of the blue. And of course, I, I debated whether to do it or not because I'd been in Alien 3. I thought, how am I going to, you know, uh, how am I going to, a, a, approach this. Um, I'm not a great performer. Of, I, I don't have a, a huge library of voices. I'm not one of those actors it's who Difficult, can, yeah. Uh, all, all I can do is um, maybe give them the different characters a, a flavour.
0: Yeah.
1: Of you know the actors who played the parts. Well, Ian, um, Ian
0: Holm, for example, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or Brian Glover in um, Alien 3, you know, Superintendent right. Andrews or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll,
0: I'll
1: just try and give it a flavour. I won't try and do an impersonation. And I think I succeeded with some and I didn't succeed quite so well with others. But what's oh, diff- what was difficult about those books was in a page, you could have those six characters interacting with one. (laughs) So you're (laughs) jumping from Uh, one one to the other. And the big thing about, that that I find difficult is um, the speed with which you are required to do them. Yeah. Uh, It's tough work. I have the greatest respect for people who are uh, really good at this stuff because Man. you have a really quick brain and sadly mine isn't a quick brain. I, I plod a little bit. Um, uh, there's the most wonderful guy, uh, Barnaby Edwards, who can, you know, change characters at the, the drop of a hat and then change it's, back again and change again. and. Roy trees.
0: Roy Roy Detrice, who does the audiobooks for um Game of Thrones is it un I mean I I I I, I think he's about 125 years old now but I think he, he's those audiobooks are like are, are unreal they they truly are like it's a work of art and the audiobooks simply do not get what I was in obviously Pete Pothelswaite there I keep getting his, his, his I can't get his name out it's we'll do, do. we we we'll um do. get his name out. Did
1: off. you meet You're Did you meet him
0: on Sorry, did you meet him on the set of Alien, Alien Three, or Oh, absolutely, before?
1: Absolutely, we we we've we've um, been, been in things, the same things, but not necessarily working together. We've known of one another for years. I think probably Alien was Aliens was the the, the first time we met. But um, I would go and see him in the theatre. Um, he worked a lot at, um, in Manchester. And I've worked a lot in Manchester, and uh, there's a bar in Manchester that's even got um, a little brass plaque on the wall. Um, I think the brass plaque says the office, because Pete Pothelswaite would always say, you know, when rehearsals were over, I'm just slipping down to the office. And he'd be found sitting at the same table in this um, uh, Manchester bar. Brilliant. Having a pint, and um, he was a lovely, lovely
0: guy. Tragic, God, God, do you know? Like, generally, the only reason I asked that is because he was the first um person I ever saw in the theater that blew my mind, like, genuinely uh, captivated me. Like, it was like a, a tunnel vision when he was doing uh, Macbeth in, in Macbeth, and um, I was at the is even back of Guildford, Guildford, right. Gilford, yeah. right. Okay and uh it, it it really stole me um and infused that 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 sort of thing within me that is to that i don't know the look at me gene or whatever is it the, the acting the performance thing that i thought oh there's a there's this an absolute legitimacy to this this isn't just like you know poncing around or what have you um and obviously you've you've <laughs> i mean but you, you, you've done much to do about nothing, like a maf, a kind of version of that, right? And you and you, uh, I think Hamlet as well. Uh, many, many, many different performances.
1: I've, I've done. Uh, Robbie and I were in uh, the Glasgow Citizens' Theatre production yeah. of uh, Hamlet about yeah. seven or eight years, maybe it's longer than eight years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, the citizens played a very important part in both our lives, particularly Rob, latterly me, um, but I've also done, uh, we, obviously Rob was playing Gertrude and I was playing Claudius, but yeah. I originally did Hamlet in um, a little theatre in Richmond called the Orange Tree Theatre, which was basically yeah. a print theatre, a room over a pub, and we did what was called the Bad Quarter. Um, there's a version of, um, Hamlet, nobody quite knows what it is. Um, some ac- academics feel that it's, uh, an early draft of, that Shakespeare did of Hamlet. Um, other academics think that it's a pirated version, um, okay. of the play. Yeah. Um, There's one particular theory that I'm particularly addicted to, which is that I I should explain the language is very different. Instead of um, to be or not to be, that is the question. And it says to be or not to be. That is the point. Um, And uh, characters um, have different names. it's Rosen, Craft and Gilderstone, I think. Um, uh, Polonius is called Carambus, uh And a lot of the big speeches are almost sort of um, devoid of poetry. And um, are very sort of crude, if you like, in their construction. Mm-hmm. Um, the two characters whose words are almost, you know, verbatim to to what we understand to be the characters are those two guys who appear right at the beginning of the play uh, on the battlements and they see the ghost. So there is a there is a theory that um, these two actors who've been in the show in London, wherever it was suddenly found themselves up in Newcastle or something. And the theatre manager in Newcastle said to them, here, you know that play you did in uh, London about the, the Danish bloke? Can you remember any of it? Because of course in those days, you didn't have a script. You had, if you were lucky, you had your speeches written on a sheet. So all they would have had was their own parts in all likelihood. Yeah. So That's why they remember their own parts because they, you know, but they had to then remember what it was that Hamlet said. And sometimes they got it right and sometimes they got it wrong. I quite like that as an idea that these two actors were made to try and write down as much of the play as they could remember. (laughs) It doesn't completely hold water because I think, well, why would they forget that Polonius was called Polonius? Why would they suddenly call him Carambis? That's where the sort of theory falls down a little bit. Um,
0: Sorry, would you say that stage is in most, is that that's what's in your blood, really? What you go back to, that your go-to, where you're most comfortable?
1: Yeah. Well, for many years, I always thought the way it worked was that I always wanted to do whatever it was that I wasn't doing. So if I was doing a telly, I desperately want to be on stage. If I was on (laughs) stage... Yes, they want to be in front of a camera, <laughs> um, but as much I, I love both media mediums, yeah. Um, but there is nothing quite like being on stage in front of a live yeah. audience. Nothing quite like it when you do seem to be able to, you know, make the audience go absolutely silent. <laughs> and then make them roar with laughter there right. is something extraordinary about that
0: it's a power um, to it the electricity
1: yeah yeah and and that's not quite the same on the, on the telly or in front of a film camera i mean it's, it's different i'm not saying one's but, yeah. not greater than the other or that, that they are different
0: well, you've you've also got that you're at the mercy of the, the cutting the cutting room floor and and how you know, the camera angles and what angle they're going to use and what they're going to go for what what's going to be the director's the editor's choice uh, and there's, there's 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 no choice in theatre right okay obviously you've got where you're sitting is different but you you've is there is it fair to say you've got a little bit more control do you think on the stage
1: Oh, on stage you've got total control because yeah. the minute that. The rehearsals are over. You could rehearse for six weeks, yeah. And you step out on stage that first night. The director no longer has any power of you at all. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to, you could play. You could yeah. take all your clothes off. You, you could walk on your hands. You you are in control suddenly. Yeah. Um, of course, you know you're there to. Um, bring the director's vision to fruition. The vision, darling. I want the vision. The fruition, darling. That's absolutely right, yes. Um, But, yeah, it's, you are, you have power. And you might decide, because of the way the audience are reacting to you, not to let them laugh. Mm. Where you imagined in rehearsal, you would get a laugh you have the power to make them laugh um, where you never thought a laugh might come.
0: But Pete, that that is very, that's a skill because I think there's a lot of people that in theatre that during rehearsal, you build up so much rhythm, so much of a pattern where either whether you're standing, where you move your hand, there's so much um, uh, learned, uh, oh my God, learned motion triggers for your next line how you deliver your line based on how you're standing how you got used to that to deliver the line slightly differently can completely fry your brain and you almost you can forget your next line you forget your next movement so there's bravery in that I think in that
1: choice well I remember I did it's something called a semi-opera so I was actually working with opera singers I was on stage with um, you know Guys and women with these incredible voices, and of course, I was in complete awe of them. Yeah, and um, I remember saying to the guy—I've forgotten his name now—terrible, a long, long time ago. I said to the to the tenor, uh, I, you know, I, I wanted him to know how much in awe I was of him for what he could do i mean i would stand on stage and i could feel the vibration from his chest running down his body across the floor and up through my legs as he opened the i to sing and the the, the incredibly beautiful sound and i the the the, the discipline and all the rest of it yeah and his reaction was extraordinary He said, don't you understand? I'm in awe of you. I said, why? And he said, in the morning when I wake up, my huge worry is, is my voice gonna be there?
0: Yeah.
1: Once I've done my vocal gymnastics and warmed warmed myself up and I know the voice is there, I have no more worries because I know exactly what my performance is going to be tonight. It's my job to hit that note and then that note and then that note, because that's what singing is. And my job is to, you know, give it as much beauty as I can, but I know what my job is. He said, you come on stage. And I never know quite what's going to come out of your mouth. I know the words <laughs> come out of your mouth, but you do it differently every every time.
0: Yeah. It
1: might only be a subtle change, but he, he said it might be a different inflection. He said, if I was to suddenly start singing, you know, a different set of <laughs> notes, <nothing, laughs> right, yeah. the opera would go you know, down the pan. But he said, you, yeah. that freedom that you have, that actors yeah. have would terrify me no
0: absolutely i mean that's the kind of stuff that you've got to take with you and not don't necessarily get because they'll go once and people get excited about theater oh my god it's so lovely and beautiful and so close and so intimate but but they only we we can only go once because of the well it's bloody expensive and because that's that's how we think but to go over and over and over and see the different nuance i i i think i'd I think i get a kick out of that i, I really do. You, you, you but
1: one... do you do i mean if i can just say of course no, what, you can't, what you can't do, uh you can't be so selfish and self-obsessed that you then screw up things up for whoever you're playing no you know, no exactly can't, i can't suddenly come on and, and deliver a completely different performance because that would be totally unfair and unprofessional you know what on the porch, there you go. You know, he's playing opposite. Man, so man. It's, but at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Caine is famous, isn't he, for saying most acting is reacting. Yeah. And there's a great, great truth in that. Um, yeah. that you, one of the most important things that you have to do as an actor is listen not just wait for the other person to stop talking, but to actually listen to them and hear what they are saying, as if it is for the first time you've ever heard it, even though you've been doing the same play for six weeks. You need to put your head somewhere where you you are hearing those words for the first time, and then you react as if it is the first time that you have ever answered in this particular way that's yeah. that's the secret of acting for, for, for me and so, sometimes one is more successful than um doing it than other times but
0: but when it's put that simply i, I love that i really do I, th- I think i did want to ask before we kind of run out of time i, was, I spoke with ralph brown a while ago now um about um you know his various blah 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 one of uh, films what have you but alien 3 was the one that stuck out simply because of the absolute catastrophe that or not catastrophe but the vibe on set and i wasn't i wasn't aware of that because i'm not a super high hybrid geek but you know you you read enough and it was you learn quite quickly that it was quite a hard set to be on um, was that the case for you or were you just sort of i don't know yeah i mean it
1: was it was the most wonderful time. I remember I was contracted originally for six weeks. I think um, we all were. And then we were all on it for three months. And um, David Fincher was this genius. He was so young. He was your age. And here he was. Thanks. <laughs> at the helm of this gargantuan movie knowing, fully knowing that uh, there are a lot of producers and execs behind the scenes like that. You know, have we made a terrible mistake employing this young kid who seemed to, you know, he would take his time over everything. That's why it went over budget, you know, and contracts had to be extended because he, I don't think we've ever se- actually seen the movie that he made. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what, if Ralph gave you this feeling. I can remember doing scenes and, and was part of uh, moments that have never made it into any any cut of that film. <sighs> Films, yeah. scenes that I think would have been cinematically extraordinary. I remember we did one scene uh, in a small studio, entirely in the dark. There were black curtains all the way around it. And we had a there was a door frame just a door frame and David said to us um, okay what the shot is going to be is um, whoever it was opens the door and you're all silhouetted in this door frame and um, we said uh, or somebody said uh, what will that look like on the screen he said oh well the entire cinema screen try and imagine this, the entire cinema screen will be black and right down in the corner of the cinema screen this little door will open and there you'll all be because he wanted to create the impression that we had come into this vast place this vast cabin he was full of imagination and shots like that, at one point I think he wanted to shoot a a field of wheat. A field of wheat? A field of wheat on that that planet? Where where would we find, you know, he was, I think he was sort of genius, really.
0: And we- Absolutely.
1: We we had such fun doing it. There was an awful lot of sitting around. Um, The the American actors, of course, uh, I don't mean this in a, you know, a derogatory way they they took their job very very seriously while the brits sat around you know playing cards and backgammon and scrabble um right they, the same with while, aliens well they studied their scripts you know and, and, and did yeah. perhaps um by the end of the three months um the american actors were also playing scrabble and we were arguing <laughs> Chill, out, right. of the word color you know is it still? O-L-O-R or C-O-L but it
0: It, it is funny because Aliens and Alien 3 had had a similar situation with that going a little bit over budget and definitely um, some serious issues with British uh, crew and and what have you, versus American money and, and, and the demands and what have you, which I, I always found quite funny because they came over here to, 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 to film it. Um, was it Shepperton or? We Come um, Cheap. Or yeah, that's why they came it. Right, exactly, mate. Um,
1: but no, The, the really, reason we came here was that, you know, we, we had, and we still do have, the greatest film technicians in the world. We really do, you know, and um, make-up artists and all that, yeah,
0: you know, marvellous. Was it Laura, Olivier, Olivier or something? It was absolutely, loved Corrie and what have you. Were you a Corrie fan and then Before. you got to, yeah, yeah pre, I, pre, yeah. I
1: I was disappointed that it didn't go on longer. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I should tell you why I couldn't go on longer. Let's put it like this. The, the family that they introduced, that I was the head of, and I, I, I don't know if you remember, I'd been, the idea was that I'd been in prison. Yes, yeah. And I, I came out of prison and uh, my daughter was going to marry Mike Baldwin, uh, Johnny, Johnny Briggs. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, it all goes pear-shaped or whatever. And they decided um, that the daughter left the series yeah Uh, I forgot what her name was now I'm terrible with names names. she's probably called one another um but she left the series and they decided that um that this family the Sykes family wasn't going to get established so I I only ended up doing about six episodes which was um which was a bit of a disappointment really because I did uh, I did enjoy it. It, it. it was a it's a it's a strange beast. Lovely people, lovely lovely people up there in Manchester.
0: It's today. just systematic, right? It's systematic. TV soap is so systematic, and and you, you you get in it, and it's a freaking like r- train ride. And it's and you're it's safe and secure, and mm-hmm. and it, and it's loved and adored, right? It's like Tim Bentinck in the Arches as David Archer is a a friend of mine, and I I always just i a, ma- a massive. I was a massive Archer's fan, and and um, haven't listened to it in a while. But again, you know, he, he's a, he's been able to just completely get on that train and have that safety net for the whole of his career.
1: I worked with Tim a million years ago for three years. Oh, really? We're doing what? It was uh, for the BBC. It was a huge civil war epic series called "By the Sword Divided." Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Tim yeah, played yeah. the young, dashing uh, hero. <laughs> <Yeah. of> the, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I played his gamekeeper, or his gamekeeper's okay. assistant, Dick Skinner.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And in the end, I ended up on the uh, the Roundhead side. I was a Cromwellian. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tim, of course, was, um, you know, Lord Far, 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 whatever. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Goodness me. No. Um, God. It's, it's, it's just so funny to think of um, think of that because Tim, um, God, Tim's what's it? We've actually done a couple of films together. I, I, wrote, I wrote a small, I wrote, I wrote a short film. He was so funny in that. I'll send you a link to it because you, you, you yeah, might like yeah, it. Absolutely. And then... Um,
1: I haven't seen him in years. I'd, I'd love to know
0: yeah. Well, I was going to message him. I was going to message him and say, do you know Peter Guinness? I'm going to chat with him. But I, I'd never got around to it because I've got kids and I'm always, God, Jesus Christ, busy. But yeah. Um, but just just really, really, really quickly, because I know we're literally just on the hour. Because um, I know there will be people that listen to this want to know about your work in the bill and what have you. And like a fucking bunch of, you know, all, not always, but... <laughs> Playing a bit of a badass, bit of a mean, bit of a mean-spirited chap, should we well, say? Well, um, that's been the story of life,
1: William. Bad, right. badass, is I, I don't know why, really. I'm not remotely tough. Um, but I suppose when you've got a place like I've got, um, people think strong thinking, face, uh, Peter. But I, I, I'm not remotely tough, and I've, I've spent my entire life. Um, playing parts where I'm put in situations that I would never, never, never in my life consider being, you know. <laughs> thankfully. Um, thankfully. I, I've been in the bill, I've played different characters in the bill, I think about four times. Really? Um,
0: yeah.
1: I think the first time I was a, a, a bank robber. Um, in the second one I was some sort of ghastly child kidnapper. Um, yeah, I've forgotten what the other one. Oh, I was a detective from Barton Street. The other Nick um, yeah. for uh, three or four eps, and then but of that's course that's fun, right?
0: That's, oh, they, yeah. These,
1: yeah. But then so I was brought into Beeb's sort of bit of stuff or whatever people have to <laughs> called. Um, somebody it's thought that like, right idea. Robbie and like, I had a great. Like, time working <sighs>
0: really yeah yeah because like yeah exactly but it must be so much fun honestly i know you obviously being typecast and what have you and 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 it is it is it is hard because you do have different facilities you don't have to you've got different abilities to you've i mean for christ's sake trained actor and you've got so much to give and what have you but i mean it must be i mean okay after a while might, might get a bit frustrating but to 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 play a a son of a bitch or just a hard-ass who can literally just do two lines and just kill the scene like just completely nuke the scene and own it that must
1: be fun it is fun of course it's fun it's it's, um sadly I can't tell you about what I've just recently been up to because I'm not allowed to but um again playing a real badass as you call it (laughs) <laughs> um, but hopefully the audience won't know until they need to know. Um, okay. So, you, because he's a hidden character, uh, um, you know he's charming and sweet and all the rest of it. And then you, you just what real. So
0: it was B- BBC, Netflix. What are we talking here, Peter? I need to look um, out for this.
1: This will be Amazon. Well, I, I can tell you. Uh, I think it's all over the the net it's um, Jack Ryan season three okay beyond I that I, I mustn't say anymore anymore
0: because uh, I know I know you're in it for one one episode season one aren't you because I, I, I love I love that it's so fast paced it's so much fun fun TV then, I'm just
1: in season three and I'm in most of it
0: okay brilliant mate that's fantastic mm-hmm. that's cool. um,
1: and I get to play lots of um foreigners i'm not yeah. sure how much longer that's going to go on in the world that we live in uh, somebody's yeah. going to start saying why, why, why is peter guinness cast as um you know all these russians why can't we have real russians playing russians or whatever Very but, um thank you william for making my first real zoom meeting um <laughs>
0: brilliant okay well thanks so much for your time and hello to roberta from me okay and, i will uh,
1: have do your best nice one mate take care you too